is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. It's a Friday night. It's about 9.30 my time. I'm Central. We just recap. We're going to recap the craziest, the GOAT NBA trade deadline I think that we've ever had. I can't really think of anyone that was like this. Brett, what is up, man? How are we doing? Couldn't agree more, man. Uh, craziest deadline I've I've ever seen. The wildest, the greatest, the, the the deadline to end all deadlines, man. This this was this was really nuts. I mean, we've had some pretty big trades at the deadline over the years, but more often than not, it kind of disappoints. Like there's all this buildup and all this speculation and all these fake trades, and then like nothing of real consequence happens. Um, that was not the case this year. We obviously had some very big names. Uh, changing places and not just the big headlining trade that we're obviously going to talk about, but some of the smaller ones too. So uh, it was a really fun day, a really fun couple of days, really, because they kind of started on Tuesday with some of the Blazers moves and everything. So it's been awesome to follow along and I'm definitely looking forward to talking about it, man. I'm with you. And it's crazy because I think in in years prior, we would have had like the Ben Simmons, James Harden trade, and then there would have been like nothing, right? There would maybe would have been a couple of teams doing deals, but this, it was like, even before Thursday, we had Halliburton and Sabonis, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Then you have Porzingis getting traded for Spencer. It was just wild on how, how crazy it was. But let's let's start with the elephant in the room. So about a month ago, you and I disagreed on something, and we 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 <laughs> never disagree like this. We're usually, but we, we were pretty passionate in our stances. And first off, I'll just say this. It is crazy to me that in 2022 that Ben Simmons – played it the way he played it. And, you know, we all have our thoughts on that. I don't want to speculate on on his mental health, if that's what it really is. But he basically just said, nah, I'm good. Played a year into his contract. Nah, I'm good. Four, year, four years left. James Harden basically begs, begs Houston to trade him. He plays like absolute dog shit. Then he goes to Brooklyn. He's an MVP candidate before he gets hurt. They got this big three. They played in 16 games together, which is just wild. And then this season, it's the same thing. He sulks. He, they, both of them handle it horribly, yet they both get to where they want to go. James Harden is back, reunited with Dale Morey in Philly, and Ben Simmons is playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So just to recap what that trade was, Philly gets James Harden and Paul Millsap, while Brooklyn gets Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first-round pick and a 2027 first-round pick. Brett, man, what do you, what are kind of your thoughts, man? Take it either from Brooklyn side or Philly side. Off the bat, I think Brooklyn won the trade, but I mean, maybe in the immediate, maybe you could say that Philly won the trade. Go wherever you want to go with this one. Yeah, it's a hard one to like determine a winner of because, like, if you had told me like when we were recording that podcast, because that was a big part of it, was like that they want Harden, right? Like, I, I said I mean, that, that you you had true. you had said you had said that and then I think on the next podcast we did I was saying like that would be the one thing where you wait until the offseason if you know you can get Harden. I didn't think that they were going to be able to get him by the deadline. I don't think anybody thought that until a few days before the deadline when Harden made it pretty clear that he wanted out. And at that point it's like okay, wow, this might really happen, but for me like I just wanted them to do something by the deadline. I didn't want this season to go to waste because of the level Embiid is playing at talked about it a million times. So in that sense, I mean, I think it's a pretty amazing trade for Philly because you're getting off this guy that wasn't playing for you and you're getting a bona fide superstar, you know, arguably a top 10 player in the NBA to pair with Embiid this season, right. While Embiid is playing at an MVP level. So 
it, it it's pretty amazing that they pulled it off. But yeah, man, like I would, I like it a little better for Brooklyn, like because not only are they getting Ben Simmons, who's you know makes a lot of money, but it's a lot more reasonable than Harden's contract, and then also they get Seth Curry, you know, and they get Andre Drummond, and and like center is a, a position of need for them. Like Drummond's a nice piece for them. I'm expecting him to probably start at center. Uh, for them and I think he could really help them and then Seth Curry is just another shooter and like I've always said with Ben Simmons like you want him to be the only non-shooter on the floor like I like him as a five with four shooters around him and that's a configuration that they can do now with this Nets team when you look at their shooters between Durant Kyrie Irving Joe Harris when he gets healthy uh, Seth Curry and Patty Mills, like you've got some elite shooting, not to mention Cam Thomas, LaMarcus Aldridge is a great shooter for a big man. Like you've got shooting, shooting on shooting on shooting surrounding Ben Simmons. So like, I think it's a really good basketball fit for him. And I think they're going to be better now than they would have been with Harden. Like just in terms of fit, um, lack of redundancy uh, and, and that additional shooting you get, and also a quality big in Drummond, who's arguably been the best backup center in the league this year, certainly one of them. So I really like it for Brooklyn, and I really like it for Philly too. I mean, it's I don't think there's a real winner and loser. Like both of these teams want to contend, and I think this trade put them both uh, on a, a a more viable path to contention. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that. I think though that both of these teams though have to be in win now mode. I, I think on paper these look great, right? And we we say this all the time. I said this when Brooklyn got their big three. Hey man, it's a big risk putting those three together because those guys just can't stay healthy. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is, they can't stay healthy. And then you saw it in the playoffs against Milwaukee. Kyrie gets hurt. James Harden gets like they just can't stay healthy. And, and I think you look at it, if you're Brooklyn, you're like, okay, James Harden was going to leave anyways in the offseason. So now we got Ben Simmons. Nobody knows what's going with, on with Ben Simmons. I mean, you would think you would think now, right, that this is like the best basketball situation that he could be in. He, he's got Kevin Durant. He's got Kyrie Irving. Hey, Ben, you don't want to shoot? Just play defense, man. Just, just, just play defense, and in the playoffs, you're going to have to – you're going to close games as the five – and that's going to be our small ball unit. You could be, I've heard it from everyone in the media. You could be the, the Draymond light mode. You get to do that. You, I don't know if he can make free throws, but I mean, that's a whole nother story. But we don't know what his his mental health uh, headspace is. I mean, and right now you look at the standings. Brooklyn's lost 10 in a row. And Kyrie can't play at home. I mean, there is a, I don't, now granted, I don't think it's going to happen. But there is a legitimate chance that Brooklyn doesn't make the playoffs this season. And then if that happens, they rescinded their contract extension offer to Kyrie. It looks like he's going to be gone again. Who knows? Who knows? Right. We're just sitting here speculating on February 11th, but I, I think Brooklyn needs to win soon. And from Philly's point of view, you know, going back to our discussion that we had a month ago, I think this gives you a two year window max with Philly, right? Because Joel Embiid, he is probably right now, if I put money on it, if I had a Gun to my head. He's the MVP of the league right now, right? He has been as healthy as he's been. They're looking good. But you bring in James Harden, and not, again, on paper, it looks perfect, right? It looks absolutely fantastic. But again, 
One of my concerns is we've had James Harden. Look at all. I think was it you or somebody else mentioned it kind of about Russell Westbrook. And it's weird that Harden and Westbrook are kind of yeah. – their careers are starting to be very, very parallel when you look at it from a 30,000-foot view. Like yeah. the Dwight Howard situation, the Chris Paul situation, then Russell Westbrook, that situation. Now he goes to Brooklyn. You know, He's playing with arguably the best player in the NBA, Kevin Durant. He gets hurt. You have Kyrie and his vaccination status. Who knows about that? But when they played, I mean, we all saw that first-round series against Boston, what they did. Like, they crushed them. It was insane. It was insane how good they were. Even this season when all three of them played, I think they played – was it the – it was either the Pacers or the Bulls where, like, holy shit, dude, they just blew them out. Blew them out in the second half. And you're like, oh, boy. Now how is it going to work with Philly? I I think that, you know, if if Harden can – all right, I don't got to do everything. This is Joel Embiid's team. I'm just here to compliment him. I think Philly can be okay. But I, it's a win-now mode, man, because I've said it to you. We, we've we talked privately. James Harden's got the Allen Iverson body, man, where they're extremely, extremely talented, but they do not take care of their bodies at all. And you've seen it, man. I mean, dude, it's just James Harden. I, we're uh, – we, we try to be respectful on this podcast, but, dude, it looks like he's wearing a fat suit half the time, man. And it's – I don't know. I love it. I love it for both teams. I'm with you. I just think from they, – they have to win within these next two to three years. I think Brooklyn's window is extended just because Durant signed that big extension. He's there long term. And they got two first-round picks that they can trade to get more players to surround those guys. I think Brooklyn's going to get rolling. I'm not worried about them missing the playoffs at this point. Like, I think – Simmons just needs to be, like you said, like that short roll playmaker kind of guy, right? Like he can't be the point guard. Like that's Kyrie's job. Like, but I, I really do envision a nice fit between Kyrie uh, Simmons and Durant with, and and with all the shooting and and with Drummond and with Claxton, if he can get healthy. So um, I'm not worried about that at all. I think this was, this was great for them. And uh, the Philly thing, like, yeah, I mean, they're very much for real. It's just like, for real. They are. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they are. They are. Um, the fit with Harden and Embiid is kind of like, I, I just don't know what that's going to look like exactly. Like Harden's never obviously had a center like that or big man like that. You know what I mean? He's always had like the Nick Claxton, the Clint Capella, like guys like that, whoever was in OKC, like Parkins or whatever. Like, so that he's never played with like a dominant set. I mean, he had Dwight, I guess, but like he, Dwight was already kind of declining. Then he was more of just a, a rim roller um, where, where, where Embiid's a guy who needs the ball and who likes to create, and who likes to put it on the floor. And he likes to post up too. He wants and, to post up. James has yeah. never played with somebody like that. No. And when he was playing with Dwight and Dwight wanted to post up, that wasn't a great look. Like it was more like, you know, the best big man role playing alongside Harden has always been um, rolling to the rim looking for lobs and stuff and Embiid can do that, but like he can obviously do a lot more. So that's going to be interesting. Um, Harden's going to be the full-time point guard, I would think. So then it's like, what do you do with Maxi? Does he play off ball now? Does he just become the backup point guard? How does that work? Can he play off ball? What is that going to look like? So like, you know, it's one of those things where you, and it's probably the Daryl, the Daryl philosophy is like, you get, the best player you can, and then you figure the rest out later. Yeah. Like talent comes first with Daryl. And um, and I know he thinks they can make it work. And I think they can too. I mean, those are probably two of the 10 best players in the NBA. They're they're for real, man. Like they're I don't know if I would pick them quite yet to come out of the East. Like I gotta see it first, but 
this is what I wanted. And I'm not a Philly fan, but I just did not want to see an Embiid season go to waste. Um, and this is way more, you know, those other packages we talked about, like CJ McCollum or like Jeremy Grant or the Sacramento shit, like all the other ones we were talking about, like this is far and away better than that. Like this is James fucking Harden. But they gave up a lot to get him. So it's got to work. They did, you know, and, and they gave up a lot. Yeah, and that's that's why I keep saying like this window, man. It, it, it's it, it's close. I mean, I, I'm with you. They gave themselves the best chance to do it, but now you got to go do it. And if they don't, I love Joel Embiid. I really do. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But it is crazy when you look at it. He hasn't even been out of the second round yet. I mean, like this is going to be a if they don't get to an NBA Finals, this is a failure. You know what I'm saying? Like this, yeah. this they have to have to do it, and we have. No idea. I mean, again, I thought that Harden going to Brooklyn, all right, dude, he's going to be there. That's our team for the next four or five years. And dude, Brett, it, it, it's been a little over a year, dude. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. Kevin Durant, I'm good, man. See you later. Like, I, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It, his his it, approval it, rating is this, down, man. See this next year. He just opted in. But, dude, we, we've seen crazier things have happened. And, and one more thing, just to put a bow on this Ben Simmons and James Harden thing. I don't want to hear from anybody ever again that, oh, this contract is too bad. This player's trade value is going to – dude, anybody can get traded for anybody. Seriously, anybody can get traded for anybody. All I heard all offseason and and coming up to this trade deadline, not not necessarily from you, was uh, Ben Simmons, he's he's a declining asset. He's doing – that. like you can't get more than that. They just fucking got James Harden. They did. But what it took was Harden basically saying he wanted out and them knowing he was going to leave anyway. And then, but even with that though, you know, Philly still had to attach a couple of nice players and a couple of draft picks, including a first rounder. I think the first rounder is like, I think Brooklyn can choose if it's 2022 or 23. I think there's like, I think there's something like that. So, I mean, yeah, it's probably not going to be a great pick, but like it's still like a first round pick. I think was it a second round or two and then Curry, Drummond, Simmons. So like that's a lot to get a guy that was going to be leaving anyway that made that clear. But like but at the same time again, like this gives them the best chance to contend. Of well, any- but I'll push back on that a little bit though cuz if he came in free agency, Philly might have had to just blown that team up. Remember dude, this Tobias Harris is still on this team like they 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 got three guys, max guys on their team now. They would have had to move. They would have definitely. It would have had to have been a sign and trade, you know. And it's they like would have had to move a lot more players. Yeah, I mean, it, it works good, man. I'm excited, dude. And yeah. I'll, I'll just say it now, dude. The, the East is a fucking beast, man. I mean, you look at Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, Philly. You got Cleveland hanging around there. I, I don't think the. the I don't want to hate on the Bulls and the Cavs. I I, I think they're having tremendous seasons, but. Those teams are going to give those other teams a fucking hell of a round in whatever round that they play in, whether it's the first round or the second round. But there, there is no cakewalk in the East right now. But no. Brett, I want to talk to you. This this was a surprise trade for me, and I want to get your your thoughts on it. It is definitely, again, we'll, we'll talk about Hallie and Sabonis, but the Kristaps Porzingis trade was crazy for me. So, you know, I'm sitting here – and obviously, as a Bucks fan, I, I'm seeing that the Bucks they have three open roster spots. They trade for Serge Ibaka all right, during the buyout market, right? And Goran Dragic gets, gets traded, and it's like, all right, man, he's going to get bought out from San Antonio. He's going to Dallas. Luca's his boy. That's where he's going. It's all ready, signed, sealed, and delivered. They got Jalen Brunson. That's where he's going. And then 
Dallas out of nowhere trades Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie. And it's like, oh, shit. The first thing I thought of was Goran Dragic. But, like, you've been on this pretty early. And the Nets started off pretty good. And then it got really bad. And Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't know if he fits Dallas, man. Do you do you like this move for Dallas? Because I'm as confused as hell by this. By Dallas. Yeah. You got Luka coming. Luka's bouncing back. They're having the uh, the, the quote-unquote the Jason Kidd first-year bump. I'm surprised that they made this, frankly. I'm, I'm not saying they should have kept Kristaps, but I am very surprised that they made that trade. What are your thoughts on that? I guess I can understand getting off of Kristaps and his contract. Um, it's a lot of money. Um, I wonder, you know, I, I, I didn't realize it was that much of a priority for them. You know, I was thinking they're probably like, okay, it's not ideal, but like it has worked at times. We're, we're going to make it work. We're going to hope he gets healthy. So, but I wonder how much of this desire to get off him was the fit on that team and next to Luca or how much of it was just his inability to stay healthy. So it could be some of both. It probably is. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize that was such a priority to get off him to the point that you would, you know, I think attach a pick and then take back two bad contracts in Dinwiddie and Bertans. And they're smaller contracts than, KP's obviously even playing on Washington, Brett. He wasn't even playing. No, he's looked pretty bad. Um, now, you know, think about what type of player he is. He's he's a shooter. He's the Latvian laser. Um, how weird is that, too, that two Latvians got traded for each other? Like, what are the – like, I'd awesome. love to know the, awesome. the, probability, the probability of that. But, um, but, I mean, so Bertans is – you know, he's a shooter. And it's like that Wizards team was a mess. So, like, I, I got to think – he's going to look better in Dallas. Like I'm actually more excited in, in a basketball sense about the Bertans fit than I am the Dinwiddie fit because Lucas never had a forward who can shoot it like Bertans. And if they can get him some looks, like, I don't know, man, if he could come back to like the form where that he was at when he got paid all that money, like two years ago or whatever, he could be a problem um, just in his shooting. The Dinwiddie fit doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I've only watched the Wizards a few times this year. I can only subject myself to so much of that kind of basketball, but he's looked bad. He's looked washed. He's looked a step slow. Obviously, he's coming off an injury, um, but even before his injury, he was a really inefficient shooter. He always has been, and I feel like that's kind of what Dallas needs is shooting, especially with Tim Hardaway Jr. going down. So it's like, I don't know. You're getting this guy that's like a 30% three-point shooter, maybe. Um, it feels like he's a better shooter than that. And again, maybe similarly to Bertans, like in this system, playing off Luka, he gets more open looks. He can become like a 36% three-point shooter. And I know, you know, Dallas has wanted like a, a second creator for a while. And Dinwiddie can certainly create. I don't know. He He feels a little bit redundant. Like, He's not the type of player I would have targeted. Dude, he's been I terrible, gone, dude. He's been terrible. Yeah, he's been bad. He's, he's been bad. He, he wants to be Luke. Like, you know what I'm Like, he wants to hold the ball like he's fucking Luca. Like, there's not yeah. a ball down there for them to, to go around. Right. On. You want a guy that can really play off ball. And, I mean, he's done that at times in his career. But, but you're right. He's a guy that wants to have the ball and is probably best with the ball. And, like, that's why I think it didn't work with Beal in Washington. And it's like – in Dallas, like Luca has the ball a lot. And so 
how valuable is Dinwiddie off ball? And it just makes me think like this was more about just getting off KP, but I'm just surprised that was the best package they could get back. Cause like Porzingis has been pretty good when he's been healthy this year. Um, Right. I, you know, I, I, I'm stunned, man. I, I'll, I'll take it one step further, right? So you and I, we did our preview, and I think – I know you had – I think we had Jason Kidd and Billy Donovan as our coach of the years, right? I, I think – but we, we both had Billy Donovan and Jason Kidd as 1-2 or 2-1, mm-hmm. whichever way. Right. I'm struggling to figure out – because we just talked about the East, how loaded the East is. The West is not that loaded. It, it's basically Phoenix and Golden State. And you can maybe throw in Memphis. You can throw in, like, Dallas has a real shot, right? I mean, granted, they've never won a playoff series. It usually, NBA history tells you, you know, the, the superstar has to kind of get kicked kicked down, have some struggles a little bit, right? Lose a heartbreaker in the conference finals or, or something along those lines. I, I look at it as, and I'm with you, Porzingis can't stay healthy. It, Tim Legler had the funniest tweet I've seen in a long time the other day where he was like, Porzingis is a unicorn because you never see him. That was that was that was hilarious. But like, dude, how are you, how is Dallas going to guard DeAndre Ayton? How is Dallas going to guard? Let's say a Wiseman comes back for Golden State, right? How are they going to guard him? And then may, maybe I know Utah's been struggling, but how are they going to guard Rudy Gobert? Like, yeah, I, I, I question it because they have no like. Porzingis could have given you something, right? Even if it's twenty five minutes a game on. All right, man. To shoot threes and make DeAndre Ayton's life a little bit more difficult. Like it, I, I can't yeah. get over that, man. Like how is that? I understand wanting to get rid of him, but you basically traded him for a guard, and you are so small mm-hmm. <laughs> on the front line right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Kleber and Dwight Powell. Like that's who they're rolling with as their big men, and like. Yeah, I mean, Porzingis has been a legitimately good rim protector this year. Like, everybody can agree on that. He's been a big part of their defensive resurgence. Like, they've been pretty good without him, too. But, like, he is their best rim protector by far. And, yeah, they're going to run into some trouble, I think, against guys like Aiton. Um, Yeah, it just didn't feel like a win-now move. You know, I've talked to some people about it, and it's like, it makes sense in, like, a future sense. Like, getting off Porzingis. Uh, maybe making it easier to bring back Jalen Brunson, like long-term, like, okay. Like it felt like more of a long-term move, but to echo what you were saying, like Dallas, I would have assumed was in win now mode because the West is not as strong as it has been because they've been playing very well because like golden state has actually looked fallible at times. Um, and Phoenix could be an injury away from being beatable. And then outside of those two teams, it's like wide open. So and Luca's over his last 15 games is averaging a 30 point triple double. So like he's he's been arguably the best player in the league like the last, you know, few weeks anyway. Um so you would think that they were in win now mode, but this trade certainly doesn't reflect that unless you know Jason Kidd maybe is seeing something that that I'm not where like no, we can get by with with Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber, but like I don't know, man. It's it's a weird one. It was I think everybody can agree it was the weirdest trade of the deadline, the one that nobody really saw coming. Um, I kind of heard Porzingis wanted out. You know, him and Luca weren't. It wasn't perfect, um, but man, I, I have a hard time imagining that they're better right now with Dinwiddie and Bertans than they would have been with 
KP. That's kind of the bottom line. It's like, did they get better with this trade? Because you'd think that they were trying to get better. And I'm with you, man. And I, I think I maybe you, you can make an argument that, all right, they're, they're going to be better in the regular season. KP wasn't really giving them anything. And I, I would, you know, I get that. But for me, it's the playoffs. I mean, you just look around and you look, like I said, you look at Phoenix. You look at, all right, let's just be honest. The two really top contenders in the West. I love Ja. I love Memphis. It's really Golden State and Phoenix. And we haven't seen Wiseman play, so I get that. But, man, I'm just picturing Chris Paul putting whoever in a pick and roll on Dallas with DeAndre Ayton. And it's like, good night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, good night. Hey, so I want to talk with you about some trades that did not happen uh, on Thursday that I think will have a considerable impact. Let's go with the one that happened on February 7th. Uh, you were very, very excited about this. So Cleveland traded away Ricky Rubio, a 2022 first round pick, lottery protected, a 2022nd second round pick, another 2022 second round pick for Karis Levert, and a 2022 second round pick. What are your thoughts on this one? Because I was, I think Karis Levert in watching the Cavs play, I think he fits what they need. I'm just worried about like, you know, he, he's kind of a black hole on offense. But, again, I think it might work because he's exactly what Cleveland needs. They just don't have a guard that can do that or a wing that can do that. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I know you're very, very happy that Cleveland got Karis Lumber. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this Cavs team, first of all. And uh, I've, I've been really high on them all season. They've been one of the best stories in the NBA this they might year. They the number one lead pass team. They might be. They're great, man. They're great. And uh, and Karis LeVert's my guy. Like, he's been one of my favorite players for a very long time, pretty much since he came into the league. I just absolutely love his game. I love the way that he dances with the ball. I love his handle. I love his creativity, his ability to get into the lane, touch the paint. Like, he makes shit happen, and he's, he's really fun to watch. And he's a guy who's had some really rough injury luck. Um, I was just looking at the box score. They actually came back tonight to beat Indy. Indy was up through three quarters in most of the game, I think. Um, they were was balling out too. We'll get to him. Yeah, we'll he, was, him he, he was hooping. He was hooping. Karis had 22. Um, but I was looking at, okay, so he started, but that's because Garland was out. I'm just wondering if when when they're at full strength, is he the sixth man? Because I think he should be. I think that I think he's a, a perfect sixth man. I think he's a prototypical sixth man in that that mold that we think of when we think of sixth man. Now they already have Kevin Love, but it's like you you've got a bench now of Levert and and Kevin Love. Like that that's nice, man. And I just think, like you said, he likes to have the ball, obviously. Um, and so I don't know that putting him next to Garland in like in in that starting lineup and playing them, you know, 20 plus minutes a game together is the best option. Like I like him better running the second unit. Um, staggering those minutes with Garland, letting him play some kind of like de facto point guard in the minutes that Garland's not in because he can do that. Uh, he's a pretty versatile player offensively. So that I, I would like to see him doing what he does best, but I just think we can only see that with him as a sixth man. And that was the same thing I said about Sexton when he was healthy. It was like, I would, I think this guy would be a better fit as a sixth man where he can handle the ball a little more, run that second unit. And so I'm hoping that once Garland comes back, that's what we'll see. From Levert, but obviously we haven't had a chance to see that yet. And I haven't, you know, maybe the, it's out there. Maybe they said we're going to bring him off the bench, but I'm not sure. But I, but what they needed was a wing creator, another scorer, another guy that can make stuff happen, especially when Garland's not in the game. 
And they had that to to an extent in Rubio, but he's more of like a pass first playmaker. Like Levert's a real threat that could go off for 40 um, anytime. So I think in the playoffs, just to have that extra firepower is going to be huge. He's still pretty young. Like he roughly fits their timeline. Like, so I just think like when we were talking about who they need, who they should target at the trade deadline, like he was always the guy that I thought was the best fit. Like a lot of names had been mentioned um eric gordon like norm powell like there was a lot of names floated for them but uh to me it was always lavert and so i love the deal because one of my favorite players went to one of my favorite teams and i think he's exactly what they need and i think they got a lot better um just giving up that that it's a shame what happened to rubio i think if he hadn't gotten hurt they probably would have brought him back but you know shit happens and uh i think all in all they got a pretty good value in in Levert, he's he's a beast. Um, I just I can't wait to see how he how he grows in this system and how he fits in with this team. Um, they're tough, like you were saying, dude. The East is deep. Like, yeah, you've got that clear tier of like Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, and Philly, and, and, and Philly, teams, and Philly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, but I, then I, I that, oh, go go ahead. I'll let you finish. Then it gets into like you were saying, like Chicago, um, Cleveland, you know, and like th- those two especially are going to be tough, man. Like maybe they're not quite in that top tier, but like you said, like they could give any team a very tough series, especially Cleveland with their size. Like I said, man, that's a tough matchup for Milwaukee. I know you don't want to hear it, but like, Oh, it's not, it's not. You can keep going. I'll I'll let you talk. It's not. I mean, but I'm just saying of any team that has been assembled, like, I don't know. I guess Bam is probably the guy that I would say guards Giannis. Bro, we we just swapped them last year. Come on. Bam, Bam was last year. We whooped that. Yeah. Ass. We didn't no Disney bubble. We just swept that ass last year. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to think of who, but, but, but no, no. I would take Mobley and Allen as a way to slow down Giannis over any one player or any two players probably in the league. Like, I just think they're built to give the Bucks a tough time. I'm not saying they beat them, but like, that's that's just an example of the impact of having that kind of size and you know versatility and mobility at the center position so i agree um, hey, they're tough know, man they're tough you know what's funny though you know i know we talked about ben simmons but you know who would be perfect on brooklyn right now man probably karis lavert and jared allen i don't know i'm just saying, <laughs> i'm just saying that i mean they, they didn't have both of them with kevin durant and Kyrie. crazy I'm just crazy I'm just, I'm just saying maybe maybe crazy cleveland ended up with both of them like how the fuck like <laughs> well it's crazy that houston had both of them Cleveland won that trade. They did. Cleveland. They were just like an afterthought, though. They were just like a facilitating team. It seemed. You know what I mean? Like Houston could. Listen listen to you. Who Houston could have had? Right. They could have had Ben Simmons, or they could have had Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Yeah. Just saying. I know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe those draft picks are a little overrated. Maybe a little. Yeah. Now all those guys are just mixing it up in the Eastern Conference on like on three really good teams. Like it's it's a. When we when you and I were growing up in the nineties watching basketball, it was the East. The East was the beast. And then yeah. Jack went to the, the Lakers and that kind of changed everything. But dude, the East is the beast right now. They ain't oh, yeah. fucking around in that conference. And I love, I love, love, love what Zach Lowe said um on his podcast today when he was like Milwaukee, Miami, just seeing these dudes, seeing these other teams just loading up and they're like, Bring it the fuck on, man. They don't give a fuck. Bring it. Bring it. Nets are the Nets are scary. The Nets are scary though. That's what that's I mean, like Philly, I think you no, okay. Like we know these guys. Like we haven't seen them together, but like 
I don't know. The Nets just have so much firepower. If they can get everybody healthy, if Durant gets healthy, if Joe Harris gets healthy, um, you know, because, because you know the, the problem with the Nets is their defense. You know, they just funny? got. You know what's uh-huh. funny about Philly is I'm doing a Philly State of the Union pod next week. I think next week's Friday. I think, and I, I believe, and I'm saying I'm on record. I I think Joel Embiid's the MVP, and I I like that. that they got, I like that they got Harden, but it is funny to me that you just paired. Both of these guys are Hall of Famers. Doc Rivers, who has the most three-one losses ever, where his teams are up three-one, and top fi- James, top fifteen coach, and you have James Harden, who is like one of the biggest chokers in the playoffs in the NBA in yeah. NBA history. Yeah. It's very interesting that those two guys yeah. are now on the same team. And, and Embiid, who gets hurt like every postseason, like he'll play through it, but like he's, you know what I mean? It's always something with him yeah, too. Like something. I feel like he's never at his best in the playoffs. So like. That's the elephant in the room. Is like I think mostly Harden, but like, yeah, Doc. Like, there's the track record. Like, it's not good, yeah, it's not. Good, it's not. Dude. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's like, but at the same time, I see no reason why they can't be dominant in the playoffs, assuming they're healthy. But the track record, when you look at those guys, it's like eh, I don't know. Um, hey, I want to yeah, talk with you. I want to huh? talk with you real quick about. The other trade where I was uh-huh. ab- I was absolutely stunned by this trade, man. And and I'm not gonna lie, the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers trade, right? So the Kings trade uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson for Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jer- Jeremy Lamb, and a 2023 second round pick. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, here's what I don't understand from Sacramento's point of view, right? So you have all these wings that you drafted. Halliburton is has been phenomenal on Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox out, right? I mean, I think he's averaging like 25, 10, something. He's been amazing. Like he is clearly, clearly has superstar potential. So you have this guy, theoretically, you have him under control. It's his second year. You have him for seven more years, right? Because no, we talked about this before. No rookie has ever turned down the rookie max extension. Like he's not going to. So you have him under control. You have De'Aaron Fox, who has a max contract, who has not played good this year at all. He's been terrible. And I don't think this has got talked about enough. Is Sabonis, who is the best play, player on Indiana, he's a fine player, right? In two years, he is an unrestricted free agent. I am telling you right now, Brett Usher, on February 11th at 10 p.m. Central Time, Demontis Sabonis is not re-signing with the Sacramento Kings. It is not happening. He is going someplace else. This is just another move in the Kings' last 15 years of why they haven't made the playoffs. It's one of the longest droughts in NBA history. I have no idea why they made this trade. It is completely and utterly baffling to me. They're chasing the 10th seed. They're probably – they might get it. They may not get it. We'll talk about your boy CJ going to New Orleans, who is – they're right <laughs> there in that plan right now. Yeah. I, I I was dumbfounded by this trade. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, this was the one of all these trades um, from the deadline and leading up to it where it felt lopsided. Now, of course, like Sabonis is probably a better player right now in a vacuum than right. Halliburton. 100%. But 100%. if we're talking about value, right? Like, because yeah, the Kings shouldn't be worried about this season. I think they just have this additional pressure because nobody will shut up about their fucking playoff drought. But that, who, like who you and I were, you and I were in high school the last time they were in the playoffs. Dude, like, you saw, you saw, like we have, we have, we have 
Court is definitely trolling, so I'm not even going to listen to what he says. But, like, you have Manpuit, you have all these Kings fans are like, why did we just – here's the thing about yeah. – here's the thing about Halbert, right? His ceiling, his ceiling is an all-NBA player. That, oh, no question. Ceiling. Sabonis' ceiling is not an all-NBA player. It, it, no. It, he's the next tier down. He's the next tier down. He's like a low-end all-star. He's it, a nice player. But why – if you're – I just don't understand what Sacramento – it, it, it's, like it's like a win-now move for a team that is not going to win now. Like, it makes no sense. Um, and, and look, man, like, I'll tell you this. Like, give me Halliburton and Miles Turner – 10 times out of 10 over De'Aaron Fox and, and DeMontis. I'm with you 100%, yeah. dude. Yeah. If you look at what matters in, in today's NBA, like, you know, DeMontis is a very nice player, but I probably underrate him a little bit because he's got an old school game. I respect his game. He's a very skilled player. If we're talking pure offensive basketball skill, he's probably like a top five forward center in the league like he really is highly skilled and honestly him and fox looked pretty good together in their first game together like and fox is a really good player too but like i just feel like they're they're both flawed like sabonis can't protect the rim fox can't shoot i don't know if it's like a right-handed bias like these lefties like i don't know man maybe it's so crazy that it will work but back to like the gist of it is that halliburton's got this crazy upside that I might not have realized existed until this season, but we've seen enough this season to know that it does. And it's like, you're just not a team that should be trying to win. Now you get marginally better in the short term. Okay. Arguably, but like, yeah, a couple years down the road, what's this going to look like? Whereas Indy, like I love what they're doing. Who are you going to trade Turner or Sabonis? Like that's been the discussion for so long with this team. And I've always been pro Trades a bonus, you know, keep Turner. Like he's the more interesting kind of modern player to me. I think he offers more value. Like if he's at his best version, um, if he's being used correctly, if he's shooting threes, if he's more of like a Jaron Jackson Jr. type of player. Um, so I love what they're doing. I love that they brought in Halliburton. I love that they still have Turner. They made a smaller move. They traded Torrey Craig to uh to phoenix for jalen smith which who's another kind of interesting young big they've got isaiah jackson um they've got chris duarte they've obviously still got brogdon like they've really changed their identity at this deadline um they've obviously gotten a, a lot younger i don't know if you want to call it a rebuild i'd say it pretty much is um they're probably going to be essentially tanking the, the rest of this season but like i'm way more excited about their future than i am about sacramento's and that's a shame because I don't know, man. Sacramento had a gem in Halliburton, like a born leader, uh, uh, just a, a very special player. He and he wanted to be there. there. He was. It sucks, man. Like it sucks for their fans. Like I know that all, their fan, their fans aren't happy. I know, like seeing Sabonis and him playing well with Fox, it kind of like one game. Okay. it was one game. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It was just like a little mitigation, but like, I don't know, man. I feel bad for their fans. That sucks. But I do think there's this pressure to make the playoffs with them that doesn't exist for any other team because they have the longest drought in probably any sport ever. Like yeah, that Vivek guy is just a moron. When I I think think he's obsessed with making the playoffs because that's probably all he fucking hears is like they haven't made the playoffs since 2005, six, whatever it was. He does some dumb shit, but dude, it's crazy too. And from your point on Indiana, Indiana is most certainly going to trade Malcolm Brogdon in the offseason. They're going to get even more assets. They're in, yeah. they, they, I'm with you, man. They are in a perfect 
perfect spot. I, I love them. I love them. They're one of my new favorite teams. <laughs> yeah, one, 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 one of uh, 30. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, they're probably like top seven after the, after these moves. Like uh-huh. they, cause they did the right thing. I like see, seeing teams do the right thing. Top Target seven. the right I'll guy. When we, when, we, when we do our building recap, something. I will ask you that. If Indiana, they're gonna, they might be top, top four seven. by then. Who knows, <laughs> man? I, I like what they're fucking doing. I hey, like it. Hey, I want to ask you about your boy, CJ. So CJ, oh, goes, he goes to the Pelicans. Um, let's let's recap that trade real quick. So the Pelicans get CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., who was sneakily, just sneakily, um, ex um, f- one of the greatest Milwaukee Bucks of all time. Shout out to zero 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 Tony Snell. Um, <laughs> so, so the Blazers uh, get Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who has already been traded to Utah. Tomas Sadaransky, Didi Luzada, uh, first round pick that's protected, and two second round picks in 2026 and 2027. Sure, it sure doesn't sound like much when you, but, but when I wanna, you, I ask when you, you read it back. But. I, I want to ask you this, though. So the Pelicans are currently the 10th seed. David Griffin, when, when I saw this trade, I said, dude, he immediately wants to save his job. He wants to make the playoffs. Zion has obviously hasn't played one game yet, and who knows about that? That's a, that's a topic for a, a different podcast. But, I mean, do you bring CJ in? You got Brandon Ingram. What are your thoughts, man? I know you love CJ. I know you were yeah. – I'm waiting for you to say that CJ and Dame were like a top five backcourt of all time. I'm just poking the bear a little bit. I'm joking. No, no. If you say they're a top five, I will leave this podcast and I will end it right now. They're not a top five backcourt of all time. Don't Chris Paul and Devin Booker are top five, though. Okay. Um, well, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They just blew it. Oh, they made, they made the, fi- they made the finals. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Holiday, Chris had Milton, I'll play them, nobody. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like, look, man. I, I'll say this about the Blazers, just in general. What are you drinking, dude? Oh, dude, a little shot of Jack Daniels, dude. A little pull. Oh, shit, man. I know, man. I need to step my game up. We should, we need, um, we do, like, you know what we should have done, and I want you to keep this in the podcast. Don't edit this out. We should do a YouTube live where we just go live on YouTube. Are you teaching? Yeah. 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 Let's do it. It's a great idea. Um, no, but I'll say this about the Blazers as a whole. Like, I like that they're doing something. You were strangely like, high on them, which I didn't really understand that part. Well, I'm not high on them like this season, like they're going to win any game. Right, like but they, you like you know, what they're doing. I do, because they're doing something. Like, I would prefer this to not doing anything and running it back with Rocco and Norm Powell and, like, because look, man, like sometimes it just the fit just doesn't work. It's just not the right collection of pieces. And I think they recognize that. And this is really the only way to get out of that. You sell it off. And it's like, yeah, you could say like maybe they didn't get a lot back, but like this isn't a team that's trying to win right now, this season. Everything is about the coming off season. That's gonna be huge for them. You know, if they can land a big free agent, make a big impactful trade, that could change the course of this franchise. They could be contenders next year for all I know. They have the ability to do that. Okay. Let me ask now, you this. If, Let me ask you this. I gotta ask okay. you this. Is Dame Lillard on the Portland Trailblazers next season? Game one. Yeah. 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 I have to think so. Okay. Because that unless I'm reading this whole thing wrong, that is the plan is like, we're keeping Dame. We're keeping Nurkic. We're keeping our young guys that we love. Anthony Simons, Nasir little, a couple of these other guys. And we're, and then we're, we're going to bring in 
another couple of big pieces. Like we're just going to replace CJ, Norm, and Rocco with whoever, whoever, whoever that they can get this summer through free agency or a trade. They've got a big trade exception now. Um, They've got some draft picks that they can use in trade. They've got some interesting young players. Like they've got flexibility that they haven't had in years. And I think they have a direction and it's, we're going to reshape this roster around Damian Lillard. And as far as Lillard, like, yeah, he wasn't great this year. He was playing hurt. Give that guy all this time off, assuming he doesn't come back this season um, and see him at the beginning of next season, well-rested, fresh legs, no more abdominal pain. He had the surgery to correct that feeling great, feeling better than he's felt in years with fresh legs. Like you could see an MVP level, Damian Lillard. So I think that's what they're looking at. It's like, we've got this guy that could, that probably still has another season or two, at least of like MVP level play. Now that he's healthy, we've got a great center that has good chemistry with him in Nurkic. And we've got some like Anthony Simons looks like a star. Nasir Little looks like a a Blazers homer. It's unbelievable. I, but dude, like I'm saying, like, that dude's legit. That dude is legit. Oh, yeah. He's a beast. I'm going to the game on Monday. They're going to get their asses waxed by Milwaukee, but he he's legit, dude. He he is. Yeah, they beat the Lakers the other night. Um, but like, yeah, man. But that's that's part of it, man. Is like is opening up a lane for those guys. Like you know, the only way that Anthony Simons can be the star that he looks like he might be is getting rid of CJ and Norm Powell and letting him step into that big role because he might be a better player than CJ McCollum. You know, he's probably a better player than Norm Powell in a year or two. You know, like when he hits it. You know, and, and like again, as a Blazers fan, we we were all sick of the purgatory. We're just sick of these teams, like same old thing every year. Like they're good teams, and I just like that they're doing something. I would take this over not doing anything and running it back. I just didn't want to see them run it back. And it's not always pretty, man. When you're selling shit off like this, like you're gonna look at just the the names involved, and you're gonna be like. Wait, Norm Powell and Rocco going out, and we got Eric Bledsoe and uh, Keon Johnson, the the rookie. Uh, but then you look into it more, and it's like, okay, Bledsoe, they're gonna waive. Like he's only guaranteed three million oh my next God. season. If he comes back to Milwaukee, I'm gonna be so pissed. Yeah, who knows, man? He might be out the league. And then Keon Johnson, it's like, oh well, they didn't get. They're like, everyone's like, they. I can't believe they didn't get a first round pick for Norm Powell. And it's like, well, Keon Johnson was the 21st pick in one of the best draft classes of all time seven months ago and like when he was drafted it was pretty agreed upon that he has a ton of potential and a ton of upside and um i don't think anything's changed in seven months but nobody even mentions him so like yeah he's more of maybe a couple years away but it's nice to have those young pieces so i don't know man i think they can still put together a really good team for next season and the season after that you know in dame's window and if that doesn't work out i think they're pretty well set up for beyond that and I'd take that over just sneaking into the playoffs, maybe winning 45 games, whatever, next season, whatever it would have been if they had just stood pat. Um, and 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 on the Pelican side, on the well, for both, the Clippers got way deeper, like big upgrade for the Clippers, getting Powell and Covington. They're going to be a scary team if they get Paul George and Kawhi back. I, I'll say that. that's I think they'll be a scary team next season. I, I, that's not happening this season. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm Paul's coming back, I think, but I, I don't know about Kawhi. Mm, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think both of those guys I, saying if with those two guys that's probably the deepest team in the nba and then and then for new orleans like it's great man like they're a team that is looks legitimately good and 
they sh- see where Sacramento, like, I don't think they should be worried about the season. New Orleans, like, they, they're they good enough, I think, to be trying to win now. Um, and, and I like the CJ move for them. Like, I think him and Ingram are going to be an awesome duo. So I'm excited for them. Like, I, I think the teams that got these Blazers players did really well. But I think the Blazers accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. It's just not sexy. It's not pretty. It doesn't look great on paper. But I think in the long run, it will pay off. And if it doesn't, at least they tried. They, they're going to try to build the right way. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, man. I gotcha. I gotcha. Let, let me ask you this. Let, let's end this with this. Who is your trade deadline winners? I would say Indy is a big one. Um, just assuming that, you know, they're really building for the future. And then Brooklyn and of course the Sixers, like those would probably be my top three. Like I'd probably go, I don't know. It's hard to compare like Indy's, you know, Indy getting Halliburton to like the Sixers getting Harden, but I would say Indy, then Brooklyn, then Philly. I think Brooklyn and Philly were both winners. Um, But then a sneaky one that I want to give a quick shout out to is San Antonio because they essentially got a first round pick for Thad Young, who like wasn't even playing for them. They did not even value. Um, And then they also they traded Derek White to Boston in in a different deal. But they got back another um, first round pick. Yeah, another first. first So they got a so they got a first rounder for Derek White and a first rounder for Thad Young. And then they also got back Romeo Langford. Um, and Josh Richardson, who I'm not as excited about, but like, I think I like it for the Spurs because I think Devin Vassell is going to slide into the starting lineup now that White is gone. Bro, and Brett, I could Brett, see Brett, that. Brett, Brett, hang on. They got a 2022 first round pick and they got a 2028 first round pick swap. Oh, wow. For Derek White? Yeah. Yeah, that was one we didn't talk about. I think the Celtics gave up a little too much for him. Um, I'm not the biggest I'm Derek very, White guy. I'm very, I'm very happy. I love Derek Michael. Fuck him though. But I'm very happy that Boston now has Marcus Smart and Derek White, two dudes that can't shoot. That's that, well, Derek White's got like this reputation as a shooter. That's the thing that's always tripped me out with him. Is like though. you talk to people about him, they're like he's a, he's a good shooter. It's like eh, is he? He's had like a couple stretches, like in the bubble, I think, where he shot it really well. But um, he, but yeah, if you look at his percentages, it's like it's never really been that good. And it's like, but he's he's just like an all-around player. He, he's a very good defensive player. He can play point guard. He can play either guard spot. Um, he can shoot a little. Um, he can pass the ball. Like he's just an, he's just a basketball player. He's a good all-around player. Not the most exciting player. Not a guy I've ever really liked. I think part of that was that he was kind of a roadblock to Lonnie Walker, which bothered me because I think Lonnie's got a lot more talent. But like. I don't know, man. I, I think the Celtics definitely got better with that trade, but I also think they gave up too much. So the Spurs would be another big winner uh, to me, just because you have to you have to take into context where these teams are at and what they're looking to do and their timelines. And like, are they trying to win now or are they looking at the future? Spurs are looking at the future for sure. And with these draft picks and with Romeo Langford um, and, and with Vassell ascending to the starting lineup, probably like, you know, they're, they're on that track. Zach Collins just came back. He's playing for them. He looks great. So I'm, I'm really excited for the Spurs. They'd be like a low key winner other than like kind of the obvious um, big three, but like, I don't know, man, I think sometimes when we look at trades, we look at it too much as like a zero sum game or like there's a winner and there's a loser. Um, But I just, I think there's nuance to it. And most of these deals make sense for both teams, except for the Kings one. Yeah. I'm with (laughs) you, man. I think Indiana's up there. I, I don't, I think Brooklyn and Philly 
for me are a two a TBD. I want to yeah. see how Harden and, and Embiid work. And with Brooklyn, I, I think Kevin Durant is either the best player in the NBA or he's 1B. I, I think it's him and Giannis. I really do. I think if he comes back, they can make it. But again, I would not be surprised at all if Brooklyn doesn't make the playoffs. We haven't seen Ben Simmons play at all this season. And, you know, who knows what he's going through. I think there's a sleeper team that is another TBD. And I know I'm going to get called a homer on this. I think Milwaukee did really good. Surge. I did not want to see them give up Dante DiVincenzo. I was very, very strongly against it. If you can get Serge Ibaka to play, and I, I heard everybody talk about it, that, oh, man, he won one every three games or one every four games. He looks like the old Serge. I get that. But now he's playing with Giannis. He's playing with Chris Middleton. He's playing with Drew. He's playing with a team that no, they're, they're the NBA champs. And if you get Brooke Lopez back, a combination of Giannis, Serge, and Brooke Lopez. All you all you need from Serge is 15, 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. That's that's scary, I I think. And it sucks that Pat Connaughton broke his hand, and he's going to be out for probably you know at least four weeks. When did that happen? I missed that. Against Phoenix last night. But oh fuck, I didn't know that. The reason that I like what Milwaukee did is they turned Dante DiVincenzo into Serge Ibaka for this year. Two second round picks, and they got some cash from the Clippers. And they also have a couple open roster spots right now. And I think the buyout market is going to be very kind to them. You know, I think Dennis Schroeder is going to get bought out. Obviously, you have Goran Dragic. I am very, very stunned in that Houston did not trade Eric Gordon. I would not be surprised if that is someone that's a buyout candidate. It, there's the buyout market is going to be interesting, but I think Milwaukee. similar to Brooklyn, set themselves up to win now, and also they got picks back to set themselves up for the future, which I think is very important coming this next offseason. Yeah, yeah, they did well, man. And um, I would not be surprised to see Goron end up there. Other guys, like, we we were just talking about Josh Richardson. Like, could Josh Richardson be a buyout guy? Like, I don't know. He could probably help them too. Um. And that sucks about Pat Connaughton. I did not know that until just now. Yeah, he will. But I was going to say, like, Grayson Grayson and Pat kind of make Dante a little bit expendable, um, especially if they have their eyes on some guys at the – Well, they offered the, Dante a contract in the offseason, and he turned it down. That's been reported, that he turned okay. it down. They gave it to Grayson instead. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, dude – Yeah, no, that's a good deal. I, and, look, man, yeah, like you said, us, Ibaka, you don't have to – get that much you're not asking that much of you're him not. like i saw him play the other night for the clippers he looked pretty good like that's what they need is rim protection like they need another backup big next to portis who's more of a rim protector and that's exactly what surge is and yeah i don't know i haven't heard anything about brooke lopez like i don't know if this is they don't think he's going to be coming back so they really wanted to get somebody who can kind of replicate what he does um and if they get him back and he's healthy then yeah it's just icing on the cake then you've got a couple of uh, a couple of really good traditional, more traditional rim protectors, uh, in addition to Giannis, obviously. So, like, yeah, they're they're loading up, man. They're loading up for another run. Phoenix is doing the same thing too. Like Phoenix and Milwaukee are kind of, I feel like they're kind of on a collision course yet again because Phoenix is just like, okay, we're gonna swap out this young guy, and bring in Tory Craig, you know, another just another awesome Torrey Craig player. back to Phoenix, back back to Phoenix. That's right. And uh, and the Bucks are you know bringing in Serge Ibaka. It's like 
shipping out a young guy. Like they, they feel like they're loading up, and as they should be, because they're probably the favorites. The favorites. Yeah, they gotta be. They gotta be. Why wouldn't they be? And Brett, so. this is gonna end it for us. I'm gonna rip a shot of Jack for you, dude. And I think next one we should do maybe a little YouTube live if we record on a Friday night again. So, buddy. Yeah, let's plan on it. I love you. We got a Zoom to get to. Apparently, um, they've already started. Oh yeah, waiting for us. So, all right, I'll see you in there, homie. This was awesome, dude. Bucks and Six, as always. Everybody, thanks for subscribing. We really appreciate it. Go to manscaped.com, type in promo code OVERSTATED. Boom! 20% off. That's the only ad read I'm doing today because, uh, yeah, I don't really feel like it. Bucks and Six, let's go. Boom! <laughs>